Welcome to the Story Life Podcast. This is a podcast about the ups and downs of living a creative life, especially through the lens of two independent filmmakers. One of them uh, being myself. My name is Clinton Cornwell, <laughs> and I'm here with Alan C. Gardner. All right. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. This is episode 16, which we recorded uh, a week ago, not too long ago, on January 13th. And hey, guess what? It features our very first guest. Couldn't think of a, a more fitting guest for this podcast, a more fitting inaugural guest, if you will, than the wonderful and extremely talented Liz Manichelle. Uh, who is also a writer, director, producer, and she's a distribution consultant for fellow filmmakers. Plus, she's the co-host of one of our favorite podcasts, uh, Making Movies is Hard, which is awesome. Yeah, this is a fantastic guest. We really focused this episode on sort of the push and pull between being a filmmaker and raising a family and having kids. So I take a step back, kind of act more as a moderator in this episode, but I think it's worthwhile because we had two wonderful people to speak about our topic. And go support Liz. Go support Liz Manichel any way that you can. Go watch her movies. I especially, I really love Bread and Butter. I think that's available to stream on Tubi. But track yeah. her stuff down. You know, if you're a filmmaker listening to this podcast and you haven't been watching independent films recently, why? would you expect people to watch your independent films if you're not going to be watching people's independent films so liz is a fantastic independent filmmaker and just a human being so please support spend the time one less episode of reality tv and click on <laughs> click on liz's films i thought you're gonna say one less episode of story life and i was about to say <laughs> i don't think so my friend. No, I, I love that. Yes, and I completely agree. You should definitely track down Liz's movies. I am also a huge fan of Bread and Butter. Speed of Life is also wonderful. Yeah, check out her work. And also listen to Making Movies is Hard. Like I said earlier, it's awesome. And it is. Also, I can't brush past. I know that I know that you're kind of grouping us together, Clinton, but you did refer to me as wonderful uh, a little while ago. And uh, you said two wonderful people. And I, I realized, wait a second, I'm one of those. I'm one of those people. So I just want to say, hey, man, thank you. <laughs> I mean, if I don't say it enough, Alan, I love you, and I'm happy that you're part of my life. So thank you. For I love you too, buddy. Me. And I, I'm absolutely, I feel uh, 100% likewise. Love you too, and I'm, I'm grateful for you as well. How about that, folks? A little, uh, <laughs> a little genuine, pure, unabashed, uh, yeah, mutual love and respect. Before we get to the episode, we just wanted to let you all know that Alan and myself are creative coaches and consultants. You know, I'm also a film professor at Tennessee State University. So supporting artists, supporting creatives, this is something that we do. If you like how the vibe of this podcast is, like this is how we run our sessions. We're very supportive coaches and we'd love to support you. So if you're struggling with, uh, you know, getting your script going, your writing process going, if you need eyes on an edit uh, or any sort of the filmmaking or acting process or the writing process, we would love to help you out. Just hit us up for a free 30-minute conversation. All right. On that note, let's dive into our conversation with the absolutely delightful and insightful Liz Manischel. Here we go. To start us off here is our inaugural guest. Do you want to introduce yourself wow. a little bit? Yeah, I feel like <laughs> I have a spiel that I do for any circumstance, but I'm trying not to just be on autopilot for you guys because I feel like that's really important for your whole thing. Your whole thing <laughs> seems to be don't be an autopilot. So I'm like, no, how I can mean, I... If you have a spiel, though, like it's a cultivated spiel. It gets the message about across quickly. Yeah. So now we're setting can... up expectations for the spiel that don't. Need yeah. To be yeah. There. You can do a spiel um, and then after that, turn off autopilot. Uh, Thank yeah, you well, for I... being aware. <laughs> 
Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a writer, director, producer in the feature space. And I do some shorts too. I realized I wanted to be a filmmaker at age 16. And it was a frustrated, unfulfilled dream for until I got to USC film school when I was 23, which is not that long, but it was a really long time for me. I graduated from USC film school and went into a lot of really horrible freelance gigs and then eventually found my love for distribution and artist support. And I've worked at Sundance uh, as manager of the creative distribution initiative. I worked for really well-known distribution consultant, Peter Broderick. I worked at Picture Motion, which is a community screening impact agency. And now I work for myself, which is the best job ever doing independent film consulting and sales repping for indie filmmakers. Which Liz has been doing that for 12 months and she's been awesome. And our relationship has definitely bloomed out of that. So highly recommend Liz as a human being, but also as a distribution consultant. Thank you. Thank you very much. She's doing that for the movie 12 months, just to clarify, not for the duration of time, 12 months. <laughs> well, but the duration's not that far off. Clear. I've been doing it okay. since like October 2020. and 2021. No, t- 2020. Me. Me. I've been doing Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. It's not that far off from when I started working with you. That's a good 27 you. months, yeah. Liz. Let's not, let's not sell yourself short. All right, I ran <laughs> God, the math that math was so quick for you. I'm like, that, <laughs> again, like I need more time to figure out these technical specs. But yes, that is so, the truth. So largely today, um, because I think this is a space that is definitely um, very pressing and relevant to the two of you, but also I think that you're well-equipped to both of you talk about. We're going to be talking about sort of the intersection of being a filmmaker and a creative and a family person and having kids and, and sort of all these things. Just to like kick us off, I didn't prepare anything, but just to, to kick us off, I, <laughs> I thought about this question, and maybe y'all have never thought about it in these terms, but for most of your sort of adult career-oriented life, was there one that was more of a goal and more important important to you in terms of like having a family or being creative not that that dichotomy exists exactly and i'll answer the question for myself i'd say for like most of my life it's always been like family and like finding my person or whatever first and i think just really recently in the last couple years i've been like no actually maybe maybe creativity is the more important thing but i had to only choose one and that's like the first time in my life and maybe it's something about getting older and that's something about my journey there's a lot there's a lot going into that there but i'm just Y'all take that wherever you want to take that. Opposite for me. It was always, I want to be a director. And then at a certain point, I was like, oh, I, I guess I should have a kid. I, I kind of want a kid. Well, let's have one. I'll figure it out. And then the kid is like filled like a giant kid's sized hole in my heart and kind of made me a complete and I always say like Colin is the love of my life in a way that really insults my husband um, and so, <laughs> but I, I find him to be just a, a joy and now family edged it out a little bit has edged out career just by a, a scotch well I guess for me like thinking of having like like when I was younger my hope was always to have like I mean, I always knew that I was a creative person. Like innately, I knew that about myself. And I I knew I loved film and acting and writing and everything from a very early age. So I knew those things about myself, right? Those were just intrinsically part of who I am. So it wasn't so much of a choice in that. The only choice was, you know, to continue pursuing that or not. My hope was also to like, you know, always have a family. I guess for me, I feel kind of funny saying the word goal. Like with family, to have a family, because there's only so much control you have over that. I mean, I know there's only so much control you have over other certain specific things. But when I think of goals, I think of tasks that I put on a to-do list. <laughs> and then I check those things mm-hmm. off. 
and with having a family, it's like I always wanted to, I always wanted to be a dad more than anything is like the easy answer there because that's the truth. So I'll cut to that real fast. I'll lead with that, even though I started rambling about other stuff first. I always wanted to be a dad and I always hoped that would uh, that would work out with the right person. And uh, it did. Now, I will say this. I did literally have on a to do list, which my wife knows about. I had one of my to do lists. Because I knew her before we started dating. We were in other relationships well before we started dating. Anyway, I had on a to-do list, asked Chelsea out. So that was on a to-do list. So anyway, I did that. I asked her out. Now here we are. Um, But yeah, and kind of touching on what Liz was saying too, it's like, you know, fill the giant. Kids kind of like create the void and then they fill it. You know what I'm saying? It's Mm -hmm. like, because before you have them, like, it's always an idea that sounds wonderful. Like, again, I wanted to be a dad more than anything. I wanted kids more than anything. But, you know, until that's actually happening, you can't really... You're speaking of it all in like relative terms, whatnot. So yeah. based on where you are, Clinton, it makes sense because you don't have kids right now. So if you were to, if that were to happen, then your perception of it, I think, would change. But right now, you're operating from where you're operating from. That's your sea level. So yeah, I mean, for me, the kids were like, you know, everything I ever hoped for and more, and I'm just like obsessed. And Liz, I don't know if you know, we're about to, we're gonna have uh, a baby girl in May. Oh my! Wait, wait. Um, what number is this for you? This is three. Oh my god. Oh my this god. is three. So two boys and a girl. Oh so yeah, I'm like, and I've said to like everything about me makes even more, like a lot more sense now that I'm a dad and I have, huh. uh, I have my family. So anyway, so that was my long response to that. Alan, how old are your kids? Lyle is four and River okay. is two. So we're very yeah. similar because Colin's yeah. going to be four in February. I think we talked about this when I first that's met right, you. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're but relatively Lyle was born new. December, December 14th. So yeah, uh, Collins Which is, is my anniversary. Younger. Yes. This That's I right. remember okay. this. It's all we have a lot of weird. Now. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sweet. Cool. Obviously, having a kid, having a family takes up a lot more to, of your time, a lot more of your priority. And as a result, it takes up a space in like your identity. Can either of you like talk about how you've sort of come to terms with letting go with sort of the priority that being creative had in your life and making space to sort of accommodate a child and like the reckoning of those two things and how that process has gone for you. I think it just jumping in, I think it matters whether they have a cold or not. Like that, I know that's ridiculous, but I genuinely think that's a big part of it. Like when we're all healthy and no one is sick, I actually can carve out time for myself. Like I can go on hikes, I can read, I can have a level of stability and creativity and spend quality time with my child. And I don't have any resentment or frustration or whatever, right? Like I figured out a a lifestyle that I think allows for some of that. But if someone is sick, it's like all hell breaks loose because like I have to take care of myself, then I have to take care of him and I get to take care of him. And then it's like all time dissolves, no matter what deadlines you have or what concerns you have. And then you start, I find, I start feeling guilty telling people, oh, my son is sick. I am sick. I'm so sorry. I'm late. Like the excuses. And then that snowballs into this like guilt spiral that really does get in the way of creativity and autonomy and having space for yourself. So immediately when you ask that question, I think there's a way to make it all work when you're healthy. The problem is kids are just sick all the flipping time. (laughs) Always sick. I don't know if you have that feeling, Alan. We are literally like coming out of like the last three and a half months has been kind of an extended on and off period of sickness. And it's basically been kind of like a relay race. Like sometimes we'll all have it or half of us will have it or three quarters (laughs) or just one or whatever. And then if like 
we all get healthy for a second ish, and then like someone else will pick it up. Like if one of the kids is sick for a little while, he'll get better. Then Chelsea will get it, or I'll get it, and then the other kid will get it. And it's just been kind of like daycare started for us like in last March. So we've been the boys have been so Lyle's been in daycare for just under a year, and River oh. just started th- three months ago. So daycare is a newer thing for us too. Oh, so we like as well. we like jumped into daycare <laughs> real early. That's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's how most people do it. And like basically, we just kind of for a variety of reasons, we kept them both at home for as long as humanly possible until it got to the point where like, oh, this is no longer like sustainable because we we both work <laughs> and we both work from home. And so when we had so Lyle was three years and three months to the day when he started uh, preschool. Wow. Not to go off on a tangent there. That was intense. Clinton and I, we've talked about that before. That was wow. That was intense all around. That was like, uh, I feel like a piece of my heart was getting ripped out. And then River started, uh, same thing, when River started in October. So anyway, first of all, in the daycare system, so like the last three and a half months, it's been pretty steady sickness. We had COVID, RSV. I had hand, foot, mouth. Um, I had hand, foot, mouth. Cold. It was hey. the absolute worst. My <laughs> yeah. toenail is still falling off, like right now. And it was like three months ago. It's. I'm sorry. Like this it was no. a big moment of my life. Um, hand, no. foot, mouth no is disgusting. I'm yeah. having. A, I'm in a very similar boat. Toenail and everything. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, literally. So the day like I tested negative for co- like the day I, I came out of the COVID woods, what so to speak. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm negative. That same day uh, as when the hand, foot, mouth symptoms started up. I'm like, I still feel sick, but it's a different kind of sick. Like, oh, <laughs> on to the next thing. Right. And, and like, you can't think about your screenplay when you're like, <laughs> you can't like you're in pain shriveled up in like a fetal position yeah, in bed yeah. because of all the weird chicken pox scars. You got. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. And also mouth is. to your point too, about like, cause you know, when, then when I'm sick with that, like when the boys are sick, then they're staying home from daycare. So just as soon as we start getting into like a daycare groove, then all of a sudden like the brakes are hit on that. Then you're not feeling well or, 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 or your partner's not feeling well. And then the kid, like fortunately in those instances, like, Lyle basically like was like Teflon throughout the whole thing. Like he barely had any symptoms, which is awesome. River was rough for him a little bit. Chelsea was really rough for her, especially because, you know, she's pregnant now too. So that was at the early stages of, of being pregnant again. Yeah, it's been a whole thing. It's been a whole thing. But yeah, hand, hand foot, mouth, man. The worst. <laughs> out of the ones that, out of those ones that I had. It's the worst. Uh, it's the you. absolute worst. I'm with you yeah. 100%. Circling back to you, Alan. So <laughs> yeah, child sickness aside, have yeah, you... we kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a part of you that sort of like misses the time you've had to reallocate as a parent that you can't sort of have the same intense focus on like creativity and you kind of have to balance this stuff? Is that ever something that pops into your mind or was there ever a process, kind of a molting process of like reconfiguring your identity around being like a father and instead of a filmmaker? So it's certainly not like I would never, I wouldn't say that I've ever like, missed it's just like everything's like just a recalibration and like you know i think everything in life like before i had kids too is all about okay okay what's time best spent what's the best way to manage my time and as filmmakers we all know we've all had to learn time management pretty well i mean hopefully because that's kind of how you get things done time management prioritizing like the to-do lists and whatnot for me it was more just about when i became a father like when the moment i found out i was gonna be a dad like it just felt very like a natural fit and i was just so excited and that just kind of continued and intensified and it just became more about like, okay, like I kind of like had to not reteach myself how to write because that sounds very dramatic, but I had to like learn a different way of like, because I used to like when I was single, I would just, I could write for hours and hours and hours on end or edit for hours and hours and hours on end, whatever it may be. 
the sky was the limit. I would just get off and go. You get a train of thought going, like we all know how that goes, and like you just kind of go down that track. And so when I first became a parent, I was like, okay, I can only grab like 15 minutes here or 30 minutes there, like whatever it might be. And also I'm delirious. Because I wouldn't be able to get that train of thought going, uh, this the early days especially, for like long periods of time. So I had to learn a way to keep notes that would allow me to, like, to pick it up and chip away at it a little bit and then put it back down and maybe not pick it up for a few more hours or a few more days or whatever it might be. Especially in those early months of parenthood. So, yeah, I just basically had to figure out a way to keep the ball moving forward. And also, like, realizing, like, not getting down on myself because, like, okay, obviously my number one priority now is this kid, and which then became these kids. And so knowing that, like, I had, you know, my head was screwed on right and that I was prioritizing correctly, then it became like, okay, now I'm just going to do the best I can with the time that I can carve out in order to keep moving the ball forward and keep making my projects happen. I, I just want to yeah. jump in with something because it's it's it hasn't been mentioned and it's something that I feel like a lot of women don't say out loud. Before I had a kid, I wrote a pregnancy announcement on Medium about my fear of losing my identity and it was the way I announced that I was going to have a baby and it was like, hello, I'm pregnant and here's, I'm terrified I'm not going to be able to be an artist. I'm terrified I'm not going to have space for myself. Like it was all these things that Clinton, I think you're talking about. And then lo and behold, you know, in the past four years, we released a movie after his birth, you know, like we made a few shorts. There's things that have happened. But now the fear is if we choose to have a second kid is most women directors that I know who have two kids, they're gone for like five to oh, 10 really? years. Like they just disappear mm. and you don't see them until their kids are like eight, nine, 10, something like it's just like a pattern I've noticed. And it, that doesn't seem to be well, it's well, I mean, this is a focus group of one, Alan, so I'm sorry, but like, it's not anything you've <laughs> mentioned yet, right? It's this fear of disappearing. And I know Clinton's kind of taking lean in questions, but I'd be curious if that fear of disappearing no, is there. Like, because it's certainly please. there for me is like, if we have a second kid, it's like, oh, can I just accept that I may disappear for a few years? Because I, I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I was always big on my wife and I basically spending we've it's been a really good like team effort like spending like an equal amount of time with the kids and like the fact that we both work from home and we kept them as home at home as long as we possibly could until it's like okay we have to start preschool now but trading off with her and it's been like a pretty like harmonious experience now with directing like i cuz i haven't i haven't been on set directing a movie since right before i became right. a dad since then, I've been, you know, I've write, I've written several scripts. I'm kind of like, I've been selling the soil, and I'm, on, I'm in pre-production on several ones. I just finished a new script. I've started this with Clinton. I've been releasing the other movies, because I had kind of had, like, leading right up until Lyle was born, I had, like, this kind of, like, arsenal and these movies that were waiting to be released or, ma or made or what have you. And so I've kind of kept each of those things moving forward. And I've kind of, like, known that, like, and I've had, like, a few acting gigs, like, over the last few years that have been, like, wonderful experiences and kept me on set and this, that, and the other. I've had some, like, shorter-term directing experiences, but I haven't directed one of my movies. Because I haven't, I haven't had, I haven't been able to justify carving out the time to do that. And there's just been a variety of things. But I am building towards those things. Now, granted, we're about to have another <laughs> kid, so we'll, we'll figure out the juggle there. But I have noticed that, like, with the two, it's like, I mean, every day you kind of keep, I mean, yeah, there's moments of, like, you know, frustration, being overwhelmed, this, that, the other. Like, my biggest fear is, like, fucking up as a parent. Aww, and so, like, so I think I, I err on the... <laughs> It's true. Like, it's true. Like, I just want to make sure that, like, I'm doing, I mean, you know, right by them as much as possible. And like, you know, and that's something I've had to really reconcile because I have a lifelong history of being too hard on myself. And so in my anxiety and this, that and the other. So I've been working on that and having kids just makes you work on all that yeah. stuff even more. 
And so the point being, like, I'm also at like, a really harmonious place right now, like with everything that's going on. Like, I feel like um, there's a really good balance currently happening that maybe even like a few months ago was like not quite there. It was close to there. But like right now I'm kind of in mm. that zone. And again, it's going to get shaken mm. up again in wonderful ways soon. But like I also and Clinton, you and I have talked about this before, too. I know that when the time comes when I'm back on set, because I think the next one of mine that I'm going to do is, is a, do it as a play first. And so I'm doing that with my buddy, Matt Gilliam, who's also he's now a father of two. He just had a new baby girl a few months ago. So and he has a son who's Lyle's age. Anyway, so we know that, like, the longer this goes on, like, we've had to push this project called Breaker Breaker back for a while, but we know that, like, it's all for great reasons, obviously, and our experiences keep, like, enriching and deepening the project. It means more and more to us, and it's become even more relevant to us. So by the time we finally do get it up there, it's going to happen. I have that, like, that kind of resolve and conviction about, like, I know it's going to happen, so I know I won't disappear because I know that that's just, like, such... Anyway, I am a father. I'm, I am a father first and foremost. But again, I've always innately been a storyteller. That's not going anywhere. Because then, if that goes away too, then that depletes like how how you, parent. you know yeah how I parent yeah. and that that exactly. that radiates out on kids like in all in all kinds of ways. So I you know can't have that. Liz, is there a mechanism that you see that these female directors having a second kid kind of disappear? And is there a particular fear there connected to yourself? Yeah, it, it's. It's not, I, I haven't really unpacked it, right? It's like I just, there's a handful of women in my mind where like they either start directing after they've had kids and those kids are, you know, eight, nine, ten, kind of more self-sufficient or they start making movies, have kids and then disappear. And I think the difference comes when that director cracks into TV before they have kids or they don't. And it's like, I haven't cracked into TV, so I've not made that sweet, sweet TV money. So it's like, I can't have that (laughs) sweet, sweet TV sabbatical, you know, or that idea of like, I can go back to the world of that for hire directing fee thing that I've witnessed. At least women in my circle have been able to put together. I don't really have any role models for women directors who, and I, I've so, you know, I'll, I don't know if this is too much information to share about my husband, but like he's not a rocket scientist and he's not a millionaire and neither am I. So I can't like rely on my partner, which is unfortunately traditionally until the past few decades, how women lived their lives was based off of being sustained by their partners due to horrible reasons. But this is all to say that like I'm not in a privileged position where I can just rest on someone else's laurels. I have to build it up myself, right? Just like you guys do. So I'm just desperate for a role model of a female director who has kids who is also the breadwinner but also like is not a tv director what is the pathway for me for me i've decided it's freelance and it's me owning my own business and so like i'm just building that up but it's not stable right? In those same questions that y'all are asking and I'm asking about, will I be a good parent? Will I be a good artist? I'm also like, what will the money be? What what can I expect? What can I rely on? And what is a stable infrastructure for me and my family? Unsure. Unsure Mm -hmm. of what that is. And y'all are kind of freelance. I know, Clinton, you've you've (laughs) gone to the other side a little bit, but... A little bit, yes. <laughs> Liz, when you first had Colin, similar to how Alan described, did you have to sort of like rebuild yourself creatively and like refine how things worked for you? And like, can you talk about that process and kind of some, yeah. some fixes you found that worked for you kind of essentially? Well, I don't. And I talked about this on 
on making movies is hard briefly because Ulrich, um, my co-host, is a father. And I didn't know if he had this experience. But like at a certain point in pregnancy, your brain just goes like all the blood from your brain just goes to the placenta. Like you're yeah. just like you like words like it's happening to me already. Um, like words are not that I'm pregnant. Everything's fine. Um, That's just me all the time, though. So <laughs> that's I don't true. have the same but excuse. I, I felt <laughs> like I was going through something where I was half a person, right? Like that all of my resources mm-hmm. were going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And that continued until like maybe six months to a year after birth. So I wasn't able to kind of mm-hmm. get my well. shit together and feel whole until the sleep schedule was kind of at least stabilized to a degree. And then I felt like physically and mentally more present. I don't know if men go through anything like that, but I certainly went through something like that. Like my body had to take a long time to adjust. Um, obviously, I didn't, you know, personally deal with any of the uh, placenta related uh, what. But there's emotions. So I can't like speak there's to that. stress. Oh, there's a lot of emotions <laughs> there. I'm very like I'm very empathetic. So I've certainly seen, you know, my wife going through it, and you know, being involved to the degree that I am, like it's it's intense, and I know she's obviously feeling it on a different level. But as far as like. Yeah, after the kids have been born thus far, it's been no. I mean, the first few months, it's like a it's a beautiful you know blur and the sleep. I mean, the sleep schedule thing yeah. and like figuring out different ways. Like, okay, how do we? Because like so far, we took it just kind of by happenstance, just because of the, uh, some of the circumstances. That we we wound up taking two very different approaches with each of the boys, like as far as sleep oh, training goes. We and did all cry that. it out. We're evil. We did the evil cry it out. <laughs> we did cry it out too. We did cry it out too, but it was like. I won't, I won't, because I, I can go off on a tangent about this for a while and I'll, I'll try not to. I'll try to rein it in. I feel like we could talk a lot about sleep training, but it wound up being very different with each of the boys. And we'll see what happens. Uh, Fast with the forward girl. like 30 years, like the disparate emotional <laughs> capabilities of each child. Yeah, yeah exactly. no, I'm sure it's fine. They'll, yeah. <laughs> there is resilience there. Right now, it's the paradigm is I sleep with our youngest and Chelsea, our, our oldest, sleeps in his bed for a while and then he goes into the big Wait, you bed. You sleep? Uh, which is you allegedly sleep with your kids still like that's so sweet but also that's a lot sorry I, just... <laughs> I know no 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 I know it's it's okay. a whole thing I feel it's like I missed... Again, okay yeah 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 one day I'm like sleep training Lyle and like you know basically like sleeping with him like a little bit like here and there like getting him to sleep like laying down with him and then like he would wake up and like come find me and then like next thing you know you cut to and it's basically I'm either sleeping with Lyle through the night or for a while I was sleeping on the <laughs> I was sleeping on the floor next to Lyle for a couple months while I was trying to get him to sleep on his own. And now I'm just sleeping with River in the guest bed. Anyway, I haven't slept a full night in my and my wife's bed. Um, This is horrible. I'm so sorry. I don't know when. Not this a full night. This is on night. par anyway, with a woman being, pregnancy break. <laughs> this is on par. Like, I, I could get a little self-righteous yeah. and be like, women have it harder. But, like, I sleep through the night in my own bed. Like, this, I think you may be suffering. No, I haven't done that in this apartment ever, actually. We've been here for over a oh year and a half. Well, and I will say it's been interesting, you know, because we started back in 2020 when Lyle was, like, two Right. He was a year and a, and a quarter. And then, you know, yeah. through the beginning of the podcast is when like, you you know, River came about, too. And I remember around that time, like you were just like, River's coming. I'm going to be gone for like <laughs> right. 
you're gonna disappear. You were like two months. You were like you were yeah. like at least two months. Maybe we Leave can podcast, alone, but probably <laughs> not. I'm just like I'm gonna be gone. Yeah. And you were and you yeah. were. You, I mean, you stuck to that. You were really busy and like I think we had yeah. one check in during that. And you're just like yeah. You're just like it's all the time. It's all the time. So yeah. You're very, yeah I mean, yeah. but you you found your place. That stuff makes you happy. Is what you say. Like you're a very dedicated father, and like you feel like a sense of belonging in that role. Yeah. So that's the thing that I feel most fulfilled by for sure and it feels most right <laughs> Clinton calls me what do you call uh, bri- no, that I bright side everything or like Mr. Sunshine oh, yeah. or whatnot he does he's do like, that. here yeah, it comes again that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's who I am I know the name of my ep- I love the name of the, my episode on, on your show Liz yeah the power of positive <laughs> thinking when I saw that title I'm like yes yes let's speak of it no it's something I'm most fulfilled by but again like you know you can't we were talking about earlier like if you try to deny like those innate things about who you are, or those creative impulses that urge to, to build something to create, then that's gonna be problematic. Everything is like balanced. So I do, and again, right now, I happen to be in a very kind of like balanced zone with like everything I have going on. So, but that certainly hasn't always been the case. And uh, yeah, I'm just, again, just trying to figure out like chipping away and keep moving the ball forward. And yeah, we're gonna find our footing all over again in a few months here. Well, we didn't. I realized that neither of us answered Clinton's question because he was asking for like what was his question? For, like, um, I don't remember what. Like what did so. what? How did you regain your creativity? How did you find it again? Like what are tactics? Oh, yes, and I, the only thing that came to me other than like my brain coming back is um, Vital has been reading for fun, like Vital. Mm. Watching TV or watching a movie, maybe, like, when are we going to, you know, it's like 8 p.m. We we had to watch our triple R over, like, five days. Like, we, it took a long time for us to watch it. But if <laughs> yeah, you take yeah, 20 yeah. minutes and read some smut, which I enjoy to do, or you read some popular fiction or you read some Bronte sisters or whatever, it, like, engages a level of fantasy that I think you lose in being a parent. Mm. And so highly, like, that's been the main thing that has brought me back to life is reading. Was there a moment for either of you of like, now I have space, I can sit down and like have a writing session. It's been long enough. I'm finding the space. Was there a moment where you started to like regain your creativity or was it always there and you just couldn't focus on it? Do you got, do you either have memories in terms of, in terms of that kind of stuff? I quit my job. My day, I had a day job up until October, 2020. Um, and I worked at six months of the pandemic at this day job. It just was depressing me. I was going on the like 3 a.m. hikes because I was like trying to work something. I didn't know why I was going on these hikes in the morning, but I was going on these like basically night hikes by myself, working things out of my mind until I quit this job. And right before and right around the time I quit, I decided to write a new screenplay and then I quit and then started to set deadlines in motion. And it's not a moment, but this is just to say like my unhappiness at work, being able to separate myself from that and finally quit that job propelled me into a feeling of like I can write I could be creative it like opened up so much space that it had been filled with stress and anxiety and disappointment in my day job so like that was the moment it wasn't anything to do with parenthood it wasn't like my kid going to daycare it was was like actually figuring out that I don't want a boss and once I realized I didn't want a boss and that I could move my calendar around and schedule things how I wanted I freed up space for creativity too yeah, and for me, I mean, like, yeah, a lot of it's been very like, just incremental, little by little. Like, I remember, like, you know, moments of inspiration that came about, like, late at night or something like, you know, pushing the mm. stroller or whatnot or doing the dishes or whatever it might be. And, like, little flashes of inspiration. Because, you know, as writers, too, like, those moments kind of come, like, 
I've always kind of said, like, you know, I'm pretty much writing every day, whether I actually write anything down or not, whether it's typing or write, like, I've, sequences or something will pop into my head at some point throughout the day. I will craft some kind of something, moment or line of dialogue or whatever, just going about my day, you like, to some extent. Or, like, because I always have a few scripts, like, running in my head, like, you know, in various stages, like, over years. And so something will, will happen in my life that will feed into that one of those scripts mm. in one way or another or remind me of a scene from it or whatnot. I'm always, there's so, always something going on there. So that certainly never died. I just didn't really have a lot of time, especially early on, to um, put any of it into action, quote unquote, and like write a lot down. And then it just became a gradual thing like, okay, like Breaker Breaker had been percolating in my mind for like years before I became a dad. And I was like, there's a moment of inspiration. And I just felt like, okay, like I sent a text to a couple of my friends, like, I'm going to write this, like, this is happening next, like what I'm writing next is this, and that's going to happen. And then I just kind of like set myself down that path, to like chip away little by little. And then honestly, once that when the pandemic started because of work situations and whatnot, that wound up kind of like freeing up a little more time as the world figured out, you know, try to figure out what the hell was going on. So I, I maximized that time. I had something ready to go and I started like, you know, whittling away at it. And from there, again, I just kind of like learned a system of like taking notes and keeping track of my notes so I could pick it up, even if just for 10 or 15 minutes and like put it back down. And then just like, I've just kind of kept going like that and then honestly like i just kind of kept building and building and then once my kids did start going to daycare that you know i'm still juggling in like other you know all the various gigs and whatnot but it has allowed me to free up some more time during those those hours to create so again it's all been very incremental and just gradually i mean that's the name of the game in so many ways as we know is chipping away little by little not allowing yourself to get so overwhelmed that stuff just doesn't get done you know because that's the problem for a lot of people obviously I need silence to work. I used to think I was one of those cool people mm. who could like listen to rock and roll while they <laughs> did things that I just really can't. I need silence. I would yeah, say yeah. that is probably a barrier for create like between creativity and kids is like there's yeah, no yeah. way you could say to a toddler like like the other day I was like, Colin, can you give me two minutes? And I'm like, he doesn't know what a minute is. Like he doesn't know what can you give me two minutes is. Like there's literally like there's no <laughs> yeah, concept. Yeah. Like, yeah, let me set my timer <laughs> yeah, real like, fast. No worries. Yeah. There's no way yeah. you could ask for it. So it's like that is a barrier for me is silence. White noise oh. is the answer for me. Like I have to like cause I can't if there's no silent, like if I'm if I'm hearing the, you know, the chatter or whatnot, yeah. like yeah, I really, I can't, same thing. I can't really craft a sentence or much of any, like, you know, I, I've also learned too the tasks that I can do little by little when there is a lot of noise uh, going on or like when I am like whatever, like I've learned the things I can like do like, oh, let me pull up my phone for a second and like do yeah. this real fast. But with writing, yeah, yeah. Essentially silence, but I create my own sounds through, through That's white smart. noise basically. I should do that. I should do that. Do you need dead silence, Liz? Or have you experimented with different types of noise? I'm just really good in the morning because no one's up. And I think part of that is because it's silent. But it doesn't have to yeah. be like we have a white noise machine playing like 18 hours of the day because we put it on when my kid goes to sleep and then we always forget to turn it off. So it's like as gotcha. long as there's no cute little four year old saying like shimmer and shine, shimmer and shine, which is this new favorite TV show, <laughs> then I'll be OK. I check it's Paramount out. Plus and it's about two genies. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. We got the Paramount Plus. I'm going to hop on. All right. All, yeah, sweet. We're always in the market for new oh, well, content. We can always recommend. New kid-friendly content. Yeah, sweet. In terms of that, Shimmer I, I kind of learned with some, some good earbuds and the right type of noise pumping through oh. those earbuds, I can focus almost in any environment Assuming somebody's not like trying to actively distract That's me. That's interesting. Yeah. But I've experienced with, with, with different things over the years. Like for me, sometimes it's like beach sounds 
and sometimes it's jazz, like smooth jazz with no lyrics. It has to have no lyrics is a, is a big important part of it. It has Same. anybody speaking, like that draws the focus too much. Right now, I'm really loving the lo-fi beats on YouTube. Uh, that's okay. that's my jam. I play that shit like all the time right now. Uh, but yeah, any of them. And the nice thing combined with earbuds is I can shut out almost any environment as long as I'm able to like focus on the writing in front of me. The noise aspect gets gets uh, you know blurred out, blasted out with uh, with some earbuds. That's super so, smart. Yeah, that's where I'm at I'm- with that. Have you tried? You've never tried experimenting with that stuff. No, like if it's morning, I need to know if he needs me. Usually, mm. Sean's asleep, and I'm hiding in the bathroom because it's my That's only true. private space because we're <laughs> in a one bedroom. And so I will like turn off the lights in the bathroom because the lights are tied to the fan. Real bad decision. Everyone, no, never. Yeah, and you're just like, why could I just? It was like one question that I could have said. It's frustrating. And then I just kind of like do my work, and then if I hear him, I go. I think that's the thing. It's like I've heard other parents talk about this too. It's like you could just close the door, and they're gonna be fine, you know. Especially if another parent's with them. But for me, the second my Mm -hmm. kid cries, I'm like. Door slammed open, me run to call it. Are you okay? Yeah. How can I help you? What's yeah. going, you know, it's like letting yeah. go could be good for me too so that I could use okay. a white noise machine and just fucking like write. And <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, at this point too, a lot of my work is done like while they are at yeah. preschool too. I always try to get up like at least like Lyle always gets up for, like Lyle comes to find me. I try to get up like a few minutes before him at least, but it's hardly ever have time to get too much work done. And then River gets up right after. And then so take him to school, get my work done. And then after that point, like once they go to bed, then I'm able to work a little bit more. But it, for me now, it's like the white noise is even just like, like even like little, even if it's not them, like just like, yeah. you know, little sounds going on around, like, you know, whatever it might be. I, I've gotten hooked on the white noise. I'm not going <laughs> <laughs> it's become <laughs> like the other day no one was here no one was here like yesterday and i just turned it on for what i'm like it's silence here but i just turned on the white noise because i'm so used to it anyway no i'm the same way i i need to be auditorily stimulated in some way shape or form or else my mind i'll start singing just I'm, i don't like singing but i'll start singing <laughs> to fill the noise scape if it's too silent but yeah because like she was saying those parental instincts like, yeah it's because it's like even like wh- also like white noise can't really drown out like a frustrated four-year-old because any kind of fussing is going on then it's like okay well you know i'm gonna hear that obviously and same thing it's like okay let me go see what's going on especially yeah again like even if if you know chelsea's like watching the both of them but especially because there's a lot of now too like dealing with like i mean every day is kind of like a sharing workshop um, <laughs> learning how to share oh, uh, between yeah, the boys. Oh, yeah, we don't have to worry about so that's, that's, yet. That's oh, an ongoing. Yeah, that's tough. So that's uh, that's a daily occurrence, and 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 Sweet River has gotten um, now that he's in preschool too, like a lot more willful, which is getting a lot more like mine. Like he didn't start saying mine until like month one of preschool. Now every toy is like mine, and like it very claims it. Oh yeah. And that's good because Lau used to, you know, try to run roughshod and claim all the toys as his. Anyway, <laughs> so there's a lot of that going on, and a lot of like, you know, laughing and having fun can quickly turn to uh, tears, oh. can quickly turn to crying and fighting, quote unquote. So yeah, maybe this goes to something, you know, a little bit with Liz's fear: is double the kids double the work, I've or is it only like seventy percent the walk? Yeah, I've heard it's like more than double. <laughs> double the kids is triple the I've work. I've heard it's more. Please, oh really? Alan, what? tell us. I get it's like we all have our own frame of reference. So from my experience, yeah, it's definitely, 
it's weird because I've been a parent of two for, I mean, it feels, you know, for the majority of the time now, because Lau was only a year and a half when River was born. So it's hard to even remember, you know, <laughs> too much what it was like exactly it's great. before. Let me tell you. It's well, great. think about it in terms of like hours. Hours, I think, is really the raw thing. There is a lot, it is a lot more work for sure. But the way I yeah. look at it too, it's like, okay, no matter how many kids you have, like you are trying to do your best, you know, by that kid or by those kids. So you're devoting like a lot of that time and energy to them. When you have multiple kids, you're trying to, you know, spreading that out and like tr- you're just, you're always just trying to do your best as a parent whether you've got one because i've also always had a pet peeve when a parent's like oh you think it's hard having one wait till you have two or you think it's hard having two wait till you have so on and so forth it drives me crazy (laughs) it's like we're all like at the end of the day like parenting is a beautiful challenge and we're all doing our best so yeah is having more kids more work i mean sure but like you know (laughs) having one kid's a lot of work too it's not you know it's hard to compare when when i've expressed my anxieties or my friends have expressed their anxieties about having two kids someone put it in a way that made me feel a lot better they're like it's just a season and I don't know why that phrasing made me feel better because it's not just a season it's not like a you know like it's not a temperature based season but they were like the hardest part of that overlap is probably the beginning right and it's just a couple years and it's like the one time in your life it's ever going to happen and it's going to pass and it's just a season you know I see that yeah because I think too as they get older because obviously we're still in the place where our kids are as they should be very, very much so dependent on on us. Now, as they get older, like, who knows? Like, I feel, I'm so glad that they will, like, yeah. have each other as well and, like, then having a little sister in the mix. Like, it's also, like, it's the best thing watching them bond. Like, yeah, it's whatever. It can be crazier, this, that, and the other. But, like, it's good crazy, and it's, like, beautiful to watch them bond and to grow together, and those moments are, like, the best. So... But yeah, I mean, that's also, it's like you have those moments, of course, it's like, and this happens a lot where it's like, oh, Lyle wants one thing while River wants the exact opposite thing and they want it at the same time. So you have to figure out quickly, like, how can I try to like satisfy both of them? Because they're both crying and they both want different things. He wants something over here. He wants something over there. And you just figure it out like little by little. I mean, you kind of just find your footing more and more and then you lose it again (laughs) and then you find it again. Like, again, guys, it's all about perspective and positivity. Can we talk about what it (laughs) could Obviously, in being creative, like having discipline and finding motivation and stuff like that is always like a big part of the challenge. The sense I get from hearing you all talk about it, though, is like you don't have that same challenge as a parent. Like the motivation, the discipline is just kind of like always there. Or like, is that something that you have your ups and downs with too, sort of on a day to day basis? I, I guess I work better when I have less time. Like they always say, you want something done, go to a busy person, right? So like when I have too many gaps in my schedule, I will be slower than when I am very busy. Like I'm faster when I'm busy. The reason I mention this is because when you schedule time in your schedule to write or you have deadlines or whatever, it's like you get to it pretty efficiently because you know that's your only time to do it. And I would say when I didn't have a kid or when I didn't have a kid and didn't have a full-time job or whatever it is, there would be things that would distract me into lack of productivity. And I would say the traps were harder. They were bigger. Now that I have less time, it's like, oh, I can't wait to do this thing that I set the hour Mm -hmm. aside for that I normally would dread doing because it's very hard. Now it's like, oh, I can't wait to say that I wrote five pages today. So I'm going to do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like more motivated. That being said, your time disappears in a way that you can't predict. So sometimes you don't get those pockets of time. I, yeah, I agree with all that. I mean, the time that you are able to get, you really learn to maximize that time even more. Because like Liz said, like it's even more precious and it's those moments are fewer and farther between. 
So as far as your question, Clinton, about motivation for parent, like, honestly, they know because that's never an issue. It can be like, you know, exhausting, overwhelming, all these things, but like motivation. No, it's like you're in it like constantly. So you don't turn that part of your brain off like Liz was speaking to as well. So and kind of as it should, because it's I mean, it's ultimately like all about them. And so like that's the top priority. So and I guess there are some parents who like duck out or whatnot more than others and try to find like. But yeah, that's again, that's everyone's different. I want to spend the most of my time, as much of my time as possible, like with my kids. So it's kind of like anytime that's away from them, like I really better make it count because that's yeah. time that I'm not like with my kids right there. And so I need to make the most of that time. I need to make it matter. And also for me too, the kids are like further motivation and fuel for the fire for creativity. Like I want them to see me engaged and I want them to see me like doing things that I'm proud of and that means something to me. And that's indicative of who I am and like what I have to say. And I want them to feel that and to then like take that out into the world and like blaze their own trails and like to have that, that wind in their sales and whatever kind of motivation that gives them. So everything means more. That to never me happened to now. me. I yeah. really wanted that to happen to me. Everyone's like, you have a kid, you're going to make better art. <laughs> it's going to be more truthful. You're going to have more life experience and you're going to really want to like be a role model for them. I don't feel that way at all. Um, I, <laughs> I, I just am like, okay, well, you know, like I get very excited. Like he'll see my DVD on our Blu-ray wall and he'll say mama movie. And I get really excited about that. But like, that's, that's it. Like, it's like, I don't need him to see me on set. I don't feel like I take his life story into my work that I make. I really want to be at that place where I'm using motherhood as creativity, but I haven't been there yet. I think it's probably happening more than you. I mean, like, who knows? Like, you know, it's, it's all perspective. And who knows how you'll feel about that very same kind of like in a few years down the line. And also you'll notice too, like in the way that like little things that my kids will like say and do at times, because we all have like, well, okay, speaking for myself, at least I know the things about myself that like, oh, I would love for my kids to like, you know, take on these attributes or these qualities or these things that, you know, I find are important. Um, and also things about myself. I'm like, and they can leave these things. Uh, so like, these are things I don't want them to have to be burdened with and whatnot. I love just watching my kids to like engage in the things that they naturally like engage in and like watching their imaginations get fired up. And I'm excited to see where that leads them and like, you know, just to try to like encourage and yeah, support. But I don't want them to be filmmakers. Um, Sorry. I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> You, oh, that's well, a hard. Well, no, it's a soft. It's hard, like I will, if they want to be filmmaker, pass. I will bring them on set. I will teach them everything I know. But I would prefer them to have a, a more stable lifestyle than I have chosen for myself. I really would. And for yeah. them to have a hobby that was meaningful and then a job that provided a level of economic security that they could rely on. Yeah. And also, I think I love how art does impact the world. Art brings people out of dark places. But I think there are better things that I could be doing with my time. Like I could, I could. <laughs> I could be saving lives. I could be giving money to the homeless. I could be cleaning up the streets. There's a lot of things I'm not doing that I would love for them to value more than I have valued in my life. So, yeah, going to teach enough. them that. Clinton, this is a good this is a good yin and yin, the balance. Uh, speaking of balance, <laughs> Me and Liz, the perspectives. Uh, yeah, as far as the filmmaking thing, like, I mean, I just want to see what they naturally get into and go from there. If they wind up wanting to be filmmakers, like, cool. But I, I have no idea what that's going. I'm just excited to see what, like what lights them up, like uh, instinctively, yeah. to encourage that. As a creative slash parent, can you think of one thing that you think you're doing really like well right now and you're like proud of yourself for being like on top of or whatever and then on the other end is there something that you feel like creative parent wise you could maybe be doing better i'm very in touch with my son's emotions 
like that. It makes me feel very happy. I'm not very close with my friends. and I'm not very close with my family. I'm close with my husband and I'm close with my son and my dog. And I'm very proud of the fact that I've built a relationship with my son where I can make him feel better when he's sad and I have a sense of what he wants and what he needs. So I'm very proud of that. And I think that that instinct that actually applies to a level of creativity that hasn't actualized yet, but I do think that's there. And what's bad, everything else. Um, <laughs> no, no, not bad. Could be better that you could do better. At, I not, could. Not, not I think like Alan, I could do a lot better and not being so hard at myself because I think I put a lot of pressure on myself, especially with regard to age and time and accomplishments and landmarks by certain points that are arbitrary. And I could do a lot better in just trying to enjoy the process and and trying to just spend time with my son and with my art and just like sit in it. I just want to sit in it. Alan, you got a quick answer to uh, the question? So? I, I mean, yeah. I mean, basically what she said all sounds great. Let's just go with that. No, as far as what I'm proud of, like, yeah, my relationships with the kids and just like Liz was saying too, just being in touch with their feelings and just, I, you know, it's just spending time with them and having those personal bonds, like those individual bonds too, like with each of them, just learning more about them every day and, and being very as present as I possibly can be like as a parent. Like I feel really good about that all in all. But like, and as far as like the other question, like, I guess for me is like, I always feel like I could be doing, <laughs> even though I feel good about that stuff, like you can always be doing better, especially I think when it comes to your kids, like, but again, it goes back to trying not to be too hard on myself and acknowledging and appreciating what I am doing. But I feel like as I've gotten older, especially the last couple of years, like I'm more able to be present in the moment with them because I'm, am more free of my anxiety in general. I mean, it certainly flares up quite a bit. Uh, here and there, but like less and less and less so like over the last few years, especially. So I'm able to deal with my anxiety in a healthier way, in a more productive way than I was uh, a few years ago. And I find that to be increasingly the case. There's a curveball every now and then, but you know, again, I'm able to handle those curveballs a little quote unquote better in general than I was before. So yeah. Well, I think that's just about all we got time for. So, Liz, is there anything you'd like to promote, encourage people to connect with you, any sort of call to action before uh, before we sign if you, you off If you need here? help with distribution, email me, lizmanichelle at gmail.com. <laughs> Liz also Sweet. has a Patreon that she's doing for her new yeah. feature film. Uh, you know, Thank Google you. her. I'm sure you can find all the <laughs> details and stuff. Support Liz Manichelle. She's an awesome Thank human you. being, and we were happy to have her on the Thank show. Thank you. Yay! Thanks for this is lovely. This is great. Yeah. I, I, ideal uh, first guest. This was really thank fun. You. So Cool. No, That's they- so sweet. No, I'm just <laughs> laughing because yeah, so I get uncomfortable with compliments. Thank you. All right. That about wraps up our conversation that we had. Thank you so much to Liz Manischel for making some time to us. She is a very busy, very important, very sought after person. So her giving us a bit of her time was no small ask. Thank you all for tuning into the conversation. Alan, did you have any follow-ups on all of that? I love the conversation with her. I, I could have kept it going for a lot longer if, if the three of us had been uh, available. Uh, there was a lot, obviously a lot of stuff we were talking about that was very uh, relevant uh, to me and, and, and my life and whatnot. So yeah, I, I hope we get to have her on again someday. And yeah, she's awesome. Now to get fully cheesy for a second, I think when when Liz, and I know what she means by this, the, but the phrase like, you know, worried about disappearing and, and whatnot. I was like, oh yeah, I think for me, it's like, 
embrace yourself. But for me, it's it's like with my kids and whatnot, I feel like I never feel like even though I think in one way what she means is like disappearing from like other people's lives in certain circumstances because you're not as available. Mm-hmm. So if that's like the read, like I totally get that. But for me, I honestly feel like and I think you already gathered this, but like to put a fine point on it, like I feel like my truest self is found and that I am my truest self when I'm with my kids and as a father. So that's why I guess I never feel like any part of me is disappearing or, or diminished because I feel like I'm more uh, in bloom. I'm flourishing more uh, with my kids. So Well, and that's yeah. that's that's a relevant point, I think, because that's why we talk so much about priorities and making the time for things. Ultimately, it's about doing what is right for you, not by what is right by anybody else's standards or any societal standards or anything like that. It's yeah. about yeah. what is right for you. And 100%. if you feel that it's right for you to invest your time and energy more into fatherhood at the expense of certain other things, you know, that's completely fine. Like, and if becoming a father or becoming anything leads you to trim the tree of like your social life, for example, see people less often, but ultimately leads to you feeling more fulfilled, like that is the right decision. You know, you yeah, you, you can't be everything to everybody. You can only have so many substantial relationships in your life, and being conscious about making those choices is totally okay. So, like, yeah, that's that's great. I'm I'm so happy for you and jealous that you just feel so whole in your fatherhood. That's fantastic. Like that is what we wish Thanks, for everybody. Yeah. Not to all be the fathers, but for them to all to just find the place where they're like yeah, completely feel at home. Self. You know? Yeah. You know, everything is like is balance and whatnot. As I said, like I you know, my whole life I've been a natural born storyteller. So that's intrinsically a part of who I am and I need that as well. As I mentioned too on the episode, like I'm I'm very much like very at the right now like a very harmonious state with everything I have going on. I'm in a really, you know, and sometimes the balance will shift, of course, and it has shifted in this, that, and the other, but like everything feels pretty well balanced right now between, you know, my time with my kids and my wife and my projects and work and just family and friends, you know, all these things are, are in a pretty harmonious state right now. So I'm very, very fortunate and fully recognize that. Right. But yeah, but again, I do, I do understand like what she's d- discussed, what she was talking about, what we've discussed and whatnot. What you said, like everyone needs to figure out for themselves. And that's something I always want to like really hit on, make sure, you know, very clear about is like, I can only speak to my own life and my own experience uh, obviously with you know and what is good for me like what makes me feel like centered and fulfilled and uh, like my truest self anyway feeling good thanks again to Liz Manischel and folks you can contact us at wearestorylife at gmail.com also please check out our website wearestorylife.com where you'll find more information about us and what we do as coaches and consultants for fellow artists as well as links to our Patreon and social media pages you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Clinton Cornwall. I'd love to hear from anybody who's listening out there. Chop it up about filmmaking. I am also a fan of chopping it up about filmmaking and the like. So you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Vimeo at Alan C. Gardner. That's A-L-L-E-N-C-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. And on Instagram at Alan C. Gardner Movies. Also, Cold Feet is currently available on Amazon Prime, Google Play, and YouTube. And my other movies are available on several platforms including Save Yourself and Act One on Tubi. And we got Lucky and Bad Bad Men on Amazon. And also Being Awesome is now on Tubi. It's on the Roku channel and it's on Vudu. So yeah, fun stuff. Thank you to our editor, the beautiful rainbow-colored unicorn that is Mr. Mike Jimenez (laughs) for his spectacular work. 
Also, thank you to uh, all our friends and families for their love and support. Couldn't do it without y'all. Yes, friends and family, the support is invaluable. Mike, you are indeed uh, rainbow-colored and unicorn-esque, and uh, we appreciate you and all that you do, my friend. Guys, we have many more episodes coming up, so please subscribe and join us next week. And this has been Clinton Cornwall. And Alan C. Gardner. With Story Live. Take care. Thank you. And the things that we used to feel like we had to have in order to feel <clears throat> worthy, worthwhile, um, whatnot. So, please hold for a printer. Okay, no worries. That's it. Still holding. <laughs> We're holding for printing. We're good. We're back in. Uh, thank you for holding.